I'm not here today to ask you to make a resolution. I'm not here today to ask you to stop something or to start something. I really want to do two things. I want to jump back to the scripture that I used during the communion uh, meditation this morning. What I think is maybe the greatest New Year's scripture in, in all of the Bible. It's 2 Corinthians 5.17. It simply says this, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone the new has come. And so this morning, I don't have a long message. I I really don't. I want to do two things. I want to look back at 2015. I want to look back at at what we accomplished, what we studied, how we grew. And as we do that, hopefully it'll be um, a a moment of reflection for you. And you will reflect back, hopefully, to some high points in the year. Whether it was the sermons or Bible studies that accompanied the sermons or studies that you did on your own, hopefully you'll look back and say, yeah, I remember doing that and I grew in this way. Or, yeah, I remember doing that and I appreciated that. Or, I I remember doing that and I hope I never hear that term ever again. I I think a couple of you may say that at some point in this message today. But I want to look back at 2015, where have we been? And I want to look ahead at 2016, where are we going? And as we look ahead to 2016, I want to leave with you a spirit of anticipation. I want to leave with you a desire, a hunger, a yearning to to embrace and to dive in to our studies maybe more than you ever have before. So that when you prepare for worship week in, week out, you know where we're going, you know what the purpose is. And you're able to really grow in your knowledge of God's word. You're able to grow in your understanding. Why did Jesus say some of the things that he said? Why, why do the events of the book of Acts matter? What can we learn from some of the, the greatest heroes of the faith in the very first book of the Bible? I want to leave you with a spirit of anticipation. So let's look back starting with what took place in 2015. Well, we actually began in 2014 with a journey through the story. And this was the longest study series I've ever been a part of, 31 weeks. And, and many of you read along. We sold, I think, over five, sold or gave away over 500 copies of the story. Uh, we were actually able to bless a very small Christian church indicator this week with some of our leftovers. They're starting the story this week, and we were able to bless them in the name of the Lord. But as a result of this, we were able to go from Genesis to Revelation. Again, not perfect. There are some things that are left out along the way. But for the most part, we were able to look at how God's Word really is one continuous story of God redeeming you and me. And so for the first four and a half months of 2015, this is where we were. We were in the story together. Following the story... We, we had some standalone sermons, but in the middle of the summer, we launched, that's right, the Daniel plan. And again, for some of you, you'll never forget that. It's changed your life. It's changed your lifestyle. For some of you, a frown just emerged on your face as I shared the term, the Daniel plan. But through it all, we journeyed together. The, the best part of the Daniel plan, from my perspective, were those of you that said, get me a DVD. Get me a small group study. We want to form our own group. We've got a group of gals that are going to get together on Wednesday night, or we've got a group of folks that are going to get together on Sunday afternoon. 
I saw, maybe for the first time in, in my ministry here, people really embracing the idea that I can form my own group, and I can grow with my friends. And some of you even had groups outside uh, of FCC. People from different churches, some, some maybe not even from a church, gathering together and studying God's Word together. Now, I've got to just say this from an integrity standpoint. I loved it, and it really did change me. It's changed me, and it, it's made me rethink um, how I live my life in many ways. So I'll never forget the Daniel plan, and along those lines, huge special thank you to Becky Glenn and Susan Klein from our church for staying on me, for reminding me, for encouraging me. Probably for a year and a half, they said, you need to bring this to FCC, and I'm so thankful for, for their encouragement along those lines. This uh, summer, late summer, August and early September, we looked at the parables of Jesus. And we looked at what, what do these stories that Jesus shared w- with the first century world have to do with our lives today? And if you remember, they really spanned a wide variety of topics. We had sermons about finances. We had a sermon about hell. We had sermons about priorities. And the cool thing for me with the parable series is that I was able to share the pulpit. Samuel preached out of the parable series. Adam preached out of the parable series. We were able to really share the pulpit together as we dove into God's Word. This fall brought... um, a life-changing event for me personally, and it was our Room for Doubt series. And what was life-changing about this, I've never been a part of a 25-church effort before. And, you know, there were sermon study times with other preachers, there was marketing collaboration, Uh, the Decatur area group that we were a part of actually wrote and developed this book that I hold in my hands. And Lincoln Christian University this month is launching Room for Doubt in terms of a a public forum. And I've been inundated with area Christian churches and even some non-Christian churches wanting to know about Room for Doubt. Wanting to know what what can we do with Room for Doubt? How, How can we learn from Clinton FCC? One of the highlights of Room for Doubt for me was our gathering uh, that Sunday evening in early October at Millican University. Mark Middleberg came in and he hosted a QA. and a and uh, Rich Knopp from Lincoln Christian University was a part of it as well. But through it all, we were able to really figure out, why do we believe what we believe? What are some of the real challenging questions of the faith? And again, a, a favorite part of this was the testimonies that I heard from many of you about intentional conversations that you had with folks that were wrestling with the faith. Didn't, didn't understand how can biblical creation and science coexist? How, how does that play out? Why do, why do bad things happen to God's people? Um, many commented about the incredible personal testimony of one of our own, Lindsay Moody, sharing during our Room for Doubt series. We concluded the year in terms of sermon series with a, a, a journey through the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, a highlight for, for the Sermon on the Mount for me, of course, is that this is considered Jesus' most complete and greatest sermon or teaching, whatever you want to call the Sermon on the Mount. And we took really large chunks of Scripture, probably too large, quite honestly, but we tried to do the Sermon on the Mount in six weeks, but um, our own Adam Brucker developed a, a small group guide. And we were able to publish that and get it in the hands of many of you, but also get it in the hands of other churches. We continue to get calls from other churches saying, we want your your Sermon on the Mount material. We're going to launch into the Sermon on the Mount in 2016. 
So when I look back on 2015 in terms of the sermon studies and where did we go and, and what did we experience, spent a lot of time learning about Jesus, spent time understanding how to defend the faith, uh, spent time figuring ourselves out in terms of the Daniel plan, and wrapped up really an all-inclusive, um, comprehensive look at God's Word via the story. So how do you top that? Where, where do you go from there? What, what could possibly lie ahead in 2016? Well, I, I want to just give you, a, just a, again, a wedding of the appetite. What are we going to do in 2016? And, and I will let you know this very first sermon series that we're going to be a part of will be difficult for some of us. It will challenge some of us. Um, many of you will not like next Sunday morning sermon. Now, I don't tell you that so you'll stay away. I tell you that as a warning because we're diving in for the first two months of the year a sermon series entitled Current Issues, Biblical Answers. Current Issues, Biblical Answers. Think for just a moment. What, what are some of the current issues that our world is facing? Think about that. I'm not going to make you say it out loud, but just think about it to yourself for a moment. What are some of the current issues facing our world, facing our country, facing our community? What, what, what is out there? Well, we're going to tackle eight. Here, here are the eight that we're going to tackle. We're going to talk next week about politics. I'm going to break one of the cardinal rules of preaching, never talk about politics. Now, I'm not going to tell you next week that you should be a Democrat, and I'm not going to tell you next week that you should be a Republican, um, although we will do a little bit of um, looking at, at the political parties. But more than that, what is the role of the Christian in, in the political world? What, what are we called to do as followers of Jesus Christ when it comes to politics? I sense more than ever before an apathy from followers of Jesus Christ. They just they, they throw up their hands and they just say, forget them all. We've had debates uh, for the presidential uh, election already, many debates, and just kind of eavesdropping, just listening to Christians. Um, apathy is the word that, that, that I would use to describe how many of us feel about politics. And I'm going to tell you, that's not the answer. And we're going to look at, does God's word talk about politics? Let, let me just ask you, does God's word talk about politics? Does it talk about government? It does. And there are some very clear instructions for followers of Jesus, some very clear principles that I think that we are called to embrace. Two weeks from this morning is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, and we're going to look at the issue of abortion. We're going to look at the issue of life, and we're going to have a very special guest with us that morning from Illini Christian Ministries that's going to talk about what ICM is doing in, in this battle for life and how they are literally changing lives one life at a time. On the 24th, we're going to tackle the issue of immigration. And I think that immigration is one of those issues that we read about and maybe it doesn't really seem like it's going to connect with 61727. We don't think it's a Clinton, Illinois kind of thing, but, but it really is. And it's an issue that Christians need to take seriously. Our Christian faith should influence our perspective on issues like immigration. We're going to look at what the Bible has to say. Does the Bible address immigration? What do you think? We're going to find out three weeks from today. And we're going to have a very special guest testimony from Barbo Donahue, one of our monthly mission partners. She's going to share a testimony on how the issue of immigration is impacting her ministry. 
and, and, and just hopefully open our eyes just to, to make us aware of how issues like this can affect people like monthly mission partners. On the 31st, we're going to have a special guest preacher that morning, Ed Bacon from God's Shelter of Love. That's a name that, uh, that is familiar to many of us. He was our VBS missionary this last summer. He is going to share with us a message that he shared back in November at the Arimans Fellowship on what are we, the church, to do with the poor and the homeless and, and, and those who don't necessarily have the blessings that we praise God for. That's on the 31st. On the 7th Super Bowl Sunday, we're going to talk about sports. And just let you know right now, dust off your football jerseys, dust off your baseball jerseys, wh whatever you want to bring uh, of the sports uh, paradigm that morning. Um, you know, as long as it's socially acceptable, bring it, wear it. It's going to be a, a, a take me out to the ball game kind of Sunday on Super Bowl Sunday. But we're going to look at sports. Now, not so much should you be a Cub fan or should you be a Cardinal fan because we all know the answer to that. It's going to be much more along the lines of, are, are sports a positive influence on, on the life of a follower of Jesus Christ? Do you realize, I, I don't know if you realize this, that there are churches within 60 miles of here, um, and they're gathering for worship probably right now, that they've pretty much taken a stand that uh, their members are, are not allowed to be a part of sports. Students in their, their ministries are discouraged from being a part of team sports. Now, I first heard that, I thought, what in the world is wrong with these people? And then I kind of heard their rationale behind it. And, um, you know, I didn't change my perspective, but it really was food for thought. And, and they really did make a good case that for the follower of Christ, sports can compromise who they are in Christ if they're not careful. So we're going to tackle that on February 7th. On the 14th, we're going to talk about marriage. Anybody know what February 14th is? Valentine's Day. That's right. And so we've got one of those kiss cams that you see at the basketball games. No, I'm just kidding. That would be kind of cool for church, though, wouldn't it? Could we pull that off? Or No, the elders are shaking their head no. So we won't go down that road. But we are going to talk about marriage that day. And just to let you know, we are going to honor all couples in our church, affiliated with our church, that have been married for 50 years or longer. And that's some of you. So be here on February 14. We, we want to honor you. Uh, and we want to look at what's God's Word have to say about marriage? What can we take away from, from God's Word about marriage? How can marriages that are 23 years in or three years in or haven't even begun yet, what can we learn? Not just from people that have been married for 50 years, but what can we learn from God's Word so we can have the most successful marriages possible? February 21 might be the most controversial sermon I've ever been a part of in my life. We're going to talk about education. It's going to be a tag team effort. Adam and I are going to do it together. And we're going to talk about public school education and private school education and homeschool education. And we're going to see what does God's Word have to say about education? What is my role as a parent? What is our role as a church? How does that unfold? Now, don't worry, we're not going to come to fisticuffs and we're not going to be yelling and screaming or anything along those lines, but we're going to look at that issue. A lot of these issues, the church, the preachers of the church, uh, we've not addressed them. We, we've never tackled them. And so February 21 could be interesting. And then on February 28, um, Adam's going to preach. I'm going to be gone that day with the high schoolers on their winter retreat. Uh, I'm speaking for the winter retreat this year, but Adam is going to tackle the issue of social media. 
And, and what does the Bible have to say about, so what's the Bible say about Facebook? Do you know? What's the Bible say about Twitter or Instagram? Well, nothing, of course. But it does say an awful lot about the tongue, and it does say an awful lot about our communication. And so that will wrap up our series on February 28th, Current Issues, Biblical Answers. Easter is really early in 2016. It's about as early as it possibly can be. The earliest possible date for Easter is March 23rd, and this year it's March 27th. So we're going to take the entire month of March, and we're going to look at the words of Jesus on the cross. We're calling this series Crosswords. And before we put this next slide up, I want you to just think for a moment, what are some of the words that Jesus uttered on the cross? Think about that for just a moment. What did Jesus say while he was on the cross? If I am correct, and I I am wrong a lot of the time, but if I am correct, I think Jesus said seven different things while he was on the cross. Uh, according to the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and here, here they are. I am thirsty. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is from, uh, that's Jesus quoting Psalm 22. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Today you will be with me in paradise. Here is your mother. Here is your son. That's communication that Jesus had with John, the beloved disciple, and his mother. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, and it is finished. I found a wonderful book this last summer at the Moody Pastors Conference by Erwin Lutzer um, on on the words of Jesus on the cross, and it's an excellent work, and um, we're going to make that available for you. If you want to be able to read along, if you want to be able to study along, we will sell it to you at our cost, so that that will be for the month of March. Early April, we're not sure if it's going to be the first Sunday or not, but in early April, we're going to launch into a six-week study on prayer. One of the things that um, I'm embarrassed to, uh, to report to you is that I do not feel like prayer is as strong a priority as it should be at First Christian Church. And that's on me, and that, that is on the leadership of this church, and, and that's going to change in 2016. So if you don't like to pray, um, you're going to struggle in 2016. Uh, Hopefully, as a church, we're going to pray more together. We had two large group gatherings for prayer uh, the last half of 2015. We had a prayer night in late August in the sanctuary, and we had a prayer gathering in in late November in the Family Life Center. And and I would just say that both events were wonderful. I thought the the prayer event in, in late November, Samuel Green put that together. I thought it was one of the best events, services, gatherings I've ever been a part of. Um, the, the sad thing is only about 40 people attended, but ho- hopefully that is going to change. Hopefully we are going to be able to grow as a congregation together. Our staff has been going through a book entitled Extreme Prayer by Greg Pruitt from Pioneer Bible Translators. Uh, excellent, excellent work. Pioneer Bible Translators is one of our monthly mission partners. How many of you remember Gerald and Ruth Denny? used to be on staff at FCC. They are a part of PBT, and so we partner with PBT on a monthly basis. Um, this might be the best book I've read on prayer. Excellent, excellent work. And again, we're, we're going to purchase it, and we're going to make it available for you if you want to read along. Um, it's not a difficult read. It's not a long read, but it is a, a, a life-changing read. Uh, again, mid-April probably is when that will launch. And, and uh, along those lines, we, we've talked about different acronyms that help us pray. 
for years, we've thrown out the, the ACTS acronym, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication. Um, in his book, Greg Pruitt extends that and, and, and uses the term active. And I've put that up on the screen. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, intercession, vanquishing Satan, and extreme prayer. And, and what's that look like individually? Um, one of the things that I was really convicted of in reading through this book with our staff is that um, Pruitt makes a great case that, that group prayer is incredibly powerful. And too much of my prayer is individual prayer. I'm not going to stop praying individually. But we need to start praying more as a group, as a large group gathering, and in smaller group gatherings, and in small group gatherings, extreme prayer. We're going to spend time later this year, the dates are not uh, exactly determined, we're going to look at the book of Acts, the early church. What can we learn from the book of Acts? What took place in the book of Acts that, that is relevant for our church and for, for modern day Christianity in 2016? And then in the fall, we're going to tackle the patriarchs. Who are the patriarchs? Who are the patriarchs? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. We're, we're going to tackle those four, and it's going to be a, a multi-week look at, at each individual patriarch and lessons that we can learn. They are some of the greatest heroes of the faith, and at the same time, they did some of the stupidest things that you read about in Scripture. Just some silliness. Uh, maybe not Joseph, but you look at Abraham, you look at Isaac, and you look at Jacob, and they were some real knuckleheads at times, quite honestly. That's a, that's a nice way to say what, what, what I'm thinking in my mind. And we're going to try to figure out if, if they did stupid things like that and were still a hero of the faith. Or mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, the faith hall of fame. What can we learn from the patriarchs? How can we take that and put, put that principle into our life? So that when, when I mess up, when you mess up, when we make mistakes, we don't just give up and throw up our hands and quit. Like Abraham, like Isaac, like Jacob, we can move through adversity and renew ourselves spiritually and really live out the truth of that verse of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Two other things that I want to just whet your appetite with, and this will be coming soon. Um, we're going to give you an update on what's next with next steps. 2015 will be a, a, a year in, in the long history of our church. 2015 will, will go down as the year that phase one of Next Steps was completed debt-free. And it's an incredible blessing to be able to say that, um, you know, we chewed off a, a $500,000 project. All the giving was, was above and beyond. And we were blessed to be able to host that open house in July. And we're going to let you know what's next with Next Steps and then finally, and this is really personal for me, in July, I'm going to tackle another fundraiser for the Kuki Christian Church Mission in Northeast India. Um, I'm going to participate in a bicycle ride across Iowa. It's about a 500-mile ride. Starts on a Sunday, ends on a Saturday, 70 to 80 miles a day. And my goal is to raise $50 a mile. And if you can do the math, that would uh, come to about $25,000. That's my goal. And, and I'm hoping to be able to help Dr. T. Lun Kim and, and uh, the incredible work that's going on in Northeast India as they move the, the True Lock Theological Seminary to the next level, to D-men level, doctorate level. And, and they would become hopefully a regional seminary, not just for India, but for all of Southeast Asia. So that is ahead. What, what's the bottom line? Here's the bottom line. With a new year comes the opportunity to renew your spiritual life. 
And so I told you that I wasn't going to ask you to, to make any resolutions, and I'm not going to ask you to make any resolutions. But, but I am going to ask you this morning, what's one goal that you could set? What, what's one change that you could make, spiritually speaking, that will help you? Maybe it is, I'm going to be in God's Word every day. E- even if it's a chapter a day, I'm going to be in God's Word every day. Maybe it is worship attendance. Maybe it is instead of once a month or once every couple months, I'm going to make it a priority. I'm going to be in regular worship attendance. For some of us, maybe it's a small group gathering. Maybe it's a Sunday school class. Maybe it's an opportunity to meet on a weekly basis. Maybe it's following the example of the Daniel Plan folks and the Room for Doubt folks and even the the story group individuals and saying, I'm going to start a group. I'm going to find five or six friends. Maybe they're not even a part of this church. And we're going to gather every week, and we're going to study, and we're going to pray, and we're going to grow in Christ together. With a new year brings a new opportunity to renew your spiritual life. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. It's a new year. Let's make 2016 the best it possibly can be, spiritually speaking. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. And thank you for the chance to look back. Thank you for the chance to, uh, to see where we have been. And I thank you for this last year. I thank you for the blessings. I thank you for the growth. I thank you for the opportunities to develop spiritually. And God, we look forward to next year, to what next year will bring. We look forward to opportunities to, to grow in our faith. We, we thank you for the opportunity to tackle issues that, that are real in our world today. And it's my prayer that through all of this, this won't be divisive. This won't divide us, but this will will unite us. Unite us through your son, Jesus Christ. We love you so much. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. It is invitation time as it is every week here at First Christian Church. And if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there's not a better Sunday than the first Sunday of the year to say, I want to be a follower of Jesus. The baptismal waters are ready for you this morning. Maybe you'd like someone to pray with you. I'd be honored to pray with you this morning. Maybe you just want to know more about First Christian Church. Come on up. I'd love to catch up with you and share about our church as we stand together and Mark and Dixie and Ruth lead us in our song of commitment.